but it could be very interesting. Okay, so we're starting my new novel. You have to get Shavuos first. And Right. Right. Log Bomer. Log Bomer. Right. Log Bomer is tonight. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow. So exciting. <coughs> okay. Well, I'm not sure we'll make it all the way to the part of the shear that introduces towards Shavuos, but next week. That would be fun if we could get there by Log Bomer, but might not be realistic. Okay. So Hashem said to Moshe, saying, Speak to the Jewish people and explain to them, and they will make tzitzis on the corners of their garments for their generations. And they should place on the tzitzis of the corners a strand of light blue. And then the, the next pasuk. The hayal lachem and it shall be for you as tzitzis. What I told you in the previous pasuk, <laughs> which was to make tzitzis, and put on the tzitzis techeles, that'll make it be tzitzis for you. Ur isemoso, and you will see it. Uzechartem, and you will remember, as kol mitzvos Hashem, all of the mitzvos of Hashem, va'asisem osam, and you will do them. Velo sasuru, and you will not stray, acharei levavchem, after your hearts, ve'acharei enechem, and after your eyes, asher atem zonim achareihem, which you wander after them. Lema'an, in order that, this is the next verse, Lema'an, in order that tizkiru, you will remember, va'asisem eskol mitzvosai, and you will do all of my mitzvos. V'yisem kedoshim le'lokechem, and you will be holy to your God. There are a lot of questions here. <laughs> you notice the questions even in passing in davening, whether you have answers or not, you notice that kind of you have the same words coming up a few times. Mm -hmm. And you may or may not notice that there are some interesting changes of um, pronoun and things also going on here. So when you combine it all together, um, you come to realize that at the very least there's some messages of this Pasuk that may be escaping us. You know, there's always deeper and deeper meanings of things, but sometimes we're missing the main, <laughs> just like, you know, the sort of surface meaning, there's supposed to be a little bit more to that and we let it go by without realizing because we didn't catch on to the words. Some of it is because it's long sentences, and phrase by phrase, you don't have so many questions. It's only when you put them all together and think about the meaning of, you know, the sort of the sentence we've been working on, and then these coming sen two sentences that you start to realize that as a set, if you read them all three, one after the other, there are some very strange thing. Not not that they're very strange, but there are things going on here that don't catch your eye if you're only thinking about it phrase by phrase. So, for example, without answering, the hayal lochem letzitzis, it will be for you, plural you, as tzitzis. Why is it vehaya? Because vehaya usually introduces uh, like a, a new event or a new era, and it's happy. <laughs> Why lochem? Why to you, plural? <laughs> a second ago, you were them.
The Jewish says, tell, tell, talks to Moshe and says, tell them to do this. And now it's, it will be for you. Or isamoso, you will see it. What it? See it? I should be seeing them. And anyway, what did it mean to say, it will be for you for tzitzis? If I make tzitzis, they'll be tzitzis? <laughs> that's, what, that's really what it sounds like. Tell the Jewish people to make tzitzis and they will be tzitzis. The tzitzis that they make will be tzitzis. And you'll remember all the mitzvahs of Hashem. So obviously we understand we are going to talk about how do the tzitzis help us remember the mitzvahs of Hashem. And we already have talked about it to some extent. And you will do them. <coughs> really? Is it guarantee that we'll do all the mitzvahs? And how could you guarantee that someone will do all the mitzvahs by wearing tzitzis? Especially since the person wearing tzitzis is probably of the male persuasion. Which means there are mitzvahs he can't do. He'd be hard-pressed to fulfill Hilchos Nida, for example. So he's going to do all the mitzvahs? And he won't stray after his heart and his eyes. Okay, so they, that's sort of like the, and you will remember. Okay, so why after the heart? Why after the eyes? How does that work? Which you stray after. So one is straying and one is wandering in order that you will remember to do all the mitzvahs? You just told me I'm going to do all the mitzvahs. You said I'm going to remember and do all the mitzvahs, and I won't go after the negatives. Can I get Excuse me, I'm just going to ask. Thank you. They bring me some water. Okay, some water. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. <coughs> Thank you. <coughs> Thank you. I'm sorry. Thank you so much. Pleasure. I have some more water here. <laughs> Okay, so why I'm going, it ends up coming out sounding like you will remember all the mitzvahs and do them in order that you will remember and do them. <laughs> it's really how it sounds, ends up sounding. Okay, so that's just an example of like why these verses uh, need to be read somehow more closely because we're missing something. Or maybe more than one thing. And, and, you know, obviously once you realize that you're missing something, you can start to fill it in. You can start to pay more attention and you see what it is you were missing. Okay. So let's start first with uh, the implication of the hayalachem letzitzis. It will be for you, tzitzis, whereas previously we were being addressed through Moshe as them, and now all of a sudden we're being addressed directly. From Hashem. So one point to realize is that we have the idea of lachem in other places. We're more familiar with it as lecha, to you or for you. So lech lecha me'artzecha, go out of your land, Hashem tells Avraham. And we know why lech lecha. So there were two, two answers to that. The usual one is, go for your sake. It's for yourself. And we have also learned, go to yourself. You will become more of who you really meant to be. Mm -hmm. I'll just make a, a little note there. And we have other examples like that, including in the very Parsha that this Parsha of Tzitzis comes from. 
for example, shalach lecha anashim, send for yourself, for your sake, spies to go check out the, that didn't go so well. This is the end of that parsha. This part about the tzitzis is the end, and Rav Hirsch does quite a lot of correlating why this comes here and how it is a follow-on from shalach. So that's one aspect of the Hayala Chemlet Tzitzis is it's for your benefit. It's not like for God's benefit somehow. It's, you, and that's part of the inherent concept of Tzitzis, right? That a person recognizes they're doing this for their own sake, that this is helping them, right? If you realize how much Tzitzis helped you, you would be rejoicing to be able to wear them. There's this wonderful Brass Lover song like that from Yosef Karduner, you know, it's like, if a Jew only knew what tzitzis were, he would be singing and dancing his whole life. It's a very nice song. And it goes on with other things. If a Jew only understood, Im Yehudi haya yodea hashabbat. If a Jew only knew what Shabbos was, he would sing and dance his whole life, all his years. If we understood what the mitzvahs were, we would be rejoicing and singing and dancing to do them. We'd be so happy. And with tzitzis, it seems that that's supposed to be just kind of blatant and obvious, that we can really see that this is for our own sake. I think it's true to say that just like with Lech Lecha, the Hayal Lechem Letzitzis, it will be for you. It, you will become more close. You will be able to achieve who you are able to become is also the Tzitzis brings to there. Why? Because you see that the end of this two lines is V'yisem Kedoshim Lelokechem. You will be holy to God. So it certainly seems, sorry, what an opportunity. And, and so you can, you can see in there that same interpretation of lech lecha, go to who you can really become, something more than what you realize you could be now. And maybe we'll just um, give like a sneak preview here. Remember, we've said that tzitzis means moving and blossoming into a new plane like a plant, and tzitzis also means something that allows you to peer into another space. So this lets you peer into another plane to see ahead where you thought you could only reach to this level. And now this gives you a glimpse into something more that you can reach out into becoming something at a much higher level than you thought you would be able to based on where you are on your own. Rav Hirsch addresses this. Well, Rav Schwab addresses it based on Rav Hirsch by saying, V'haya lochem letzitzis ur isemoso. That this whole effect of you see the tzitzis <clears throat> and that causes you to remember and then you do all the mitzvos. You can already hear that that's coming down the ladder in the same way that looking at them sent you up the ladder. But, you know, that that only happens when it's v'hayalachem, when it's part of you. Meaning tzitzis that are hanging on a hanger and you're gazing at them do not have that effect. Mm -hmm. As women, we could probably testify that looking at a man's tzitzis hanging on, I don't know, which we should be looking at, you know, whatever, but... When you see a man's tzitzis hanging out, they don't immediately inspire you somehow in your mitzvahs. They could, I suppose, if, especially if you spend, like us, you know, months and months talking about tzitzis, maybe you start to think about tzitzis, but 
Essentially, tzitzis do not really work when they're not on you. That v'hayalachem tzitzis, they will be on you, for you, as part of you, then they function as tzitzis. They have that effect. So tzitzis only functions when it's part of your clothing that you are wearing. Malbush. So one thing we're going to talk about a little bit is this aspect of clothing. It's been a long time since we spoke about clothing, although we did um, many years ago. But this is something that we didn't talk about many years ago. So it's a bonus anyway. And the movement towards Kedusha, that the tzitzis, when they're worn, help a person move toward the level of Kedusha, meaning outside those bottom two levels of worlds that are in nature, moving up into supernatural, up into Kedusha, up into something that is uniquely human and not shared with animals. So we start referring or, or approaching the aspect of the dignity of the human, the Tselem Elohim, and not the animal. And this all, this again ties in with this idea of the clothing. Tzitzis work, they help you become more who you can be, but only when they are on you, <laughs> actually sort of connected to who you are. All right, so this will sound familiar. Darash Rav Simloi. Rav Simloi, I'm always fascinated by these things because his name means a garment, but anyway. <laughs> it probably doesn't, like it's probably, I don't know, an Aramaic name that just <laughs> reminds me of the word Simla. Darash Rav Simloi. Torah tchilasa gemilus chasadim v'sofa gemilus chasadim. The Torah begins with acts of chesed and ends with acts of chesed. The Torah is start to finish about chesed. From the beginning to the very end. What's an example? The Torah begins with Vayas lahem kosnos or vayabishem Hashem made for Adam and Eve garments of skins and he dressed them. So that's chesed, dressing the naked. And it ends with vayikaboroso begeh or Begai. Hashem buried Moshe in Gai, which is also a chesed. That is Levayas Ames, escorting the dead to their final resting place. Ama Rav Chama Bar Chanina. Rav Chana Bar Chanina said, Hashem What does the Torah mean when it commands us, you shall walk after God? After lo la'adam hashchina? <laughs> can, even in those incredibly blessed times that we can actually see or sense the presence of the Shechina, can we follow it? Okay, I suppose in the desert there was a certain aspect of following the cloud, right? but that's, the Torah's not really talking about that. The Torah's telling all of us, a mitzvah, that you have to walk after God. You have to follow him. There's a little bit of... Uh, flashback to this Shabbashir that we had this week. Doesn't the Torah tell us that God's holiness is a consuming fire? You can't get too close. You remember what the answer was on Shabbos. 
that we approach and look at Hashem by looking at the physical world. We look at his deeds, we look at what he does, and from this we think and consider his chesed, which reminds you of tzitzis. Looking at the, what is in the physical and using that as your approach to the kiseh hakavod in, in a stepwise way, so you don't try and jump from the tzitzis to the kiseh hakavod. It's the tzitzis to the ocean, to the skies, to the kiseh hakavod, everything. It's the filters are in place to allow you to approach as much as possible. Doesn't the Torah tell us that God's holiness is a consuming flame? Ella halach achare midosav. What the Torah means when it commands us to walk after God means we should walk after his midos, the characteristics with which he behaves to us. We should emulate him. That's what we should do. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Hilbi Sharumim. Hashem dressed the naked, as it says, Kosnos Orva Yabishem. He made garments for Adam and Chava and dressed them. You should also dress the bear. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Mevaker Cholim, says Baker. Hashem visits the sick. Hashem Mamre. As the Torah says, Hashem appeared to Avraham in Elone Mamre when he was recuperating from his bris milah. You should also visit the sick. Hakadosh Baruch Hu Nichem Avele. Nachem. I don't. We normally say Menachem. I'm not sure. Hakadosh Baruch Hu comforts mourners. Dichtiv, as it says, It was after the death of Avraham that Hashem blessed Yitzchak, his son. Yitzchak was mourning for the death of his father. You should also comfort mourners. Hashem buries the dead. Dichtiv, as it says, Hashem buried him in gay. You should also participate in leading people who have passed away to their final resting place. This also has questions. The Torah Tamima says on this concept that Hashem dressed Adam and Chava. Gdola Gemilus Chasadim. How great is Gemilus Chasadim? Shahatara Trilasa Gemilus Chasadim. That the Torah begins with Gemilus Chasadim and ends with Gemilus Chasadim. Right? In other words, thinking this last night, you know, when you hear stories of great people, what you really hear of their greatness mostly is their kindness. There's other things. There's their brilliance and there's their insight and there's, you know, but there's resources. There's a lot of qualities that people have. But what really tends to stand out is the Gemilus Chasadim. Because that's how great the Torah begins with Gemilus Chasadim and ends with Gemilus Chasadim. It encompasses. Torah is encompassed and surrounded by that, interwoven with it. Umidas chesed hu. This is an aspect of chesed, dressing Adam and Chava. What's the chesed? Let's understand what is the concept of this chesed. Why is the, why is the chesed that, it, that the Torah opens with, that Hashem dressed them? What is it about dressing them that is the first beginning of chesed that the whole Torah is going to be encompassed by? Shilo yehe gufa Adam bevizayon. What the Torah is telling us is that a fundamental principle of chesed is that a person's body should not be in disgrace. And we learn from this, 
that a person should not treat lightly the honor of his own body. Not to go around in ripped clothing, stained clothing. A person should dress respectably. They should dress their body respectably. Not for their covet, for the covet of the body. And he should also see that reflected in his friends, in his colleagues, in his acquaintances, and take care to cover them if they are not respectably dressed. As the Pasuk says in Yeshaya, Kisira Arum Vechasiso, if you see one bear, you should dress him. And from this, it's Shayach to explain in Parshas Re'eh, where the Torah says, Acharei Hashem alokechem telechu uvo sidbakun. You should follow after Hashem and cling to Him. And if we look at the examples that Rav Chana Bar Chanina brought, because there's a lot of chesed that Hashem does for us, he brought four examples. He said, Hashem dresses the bear, Hashem visits the sick, Hashem comforts the dead, and Hashem buries the dead. Comforts the mourners. Comforts the mourners, sorry, and buries the dead. What you see is that they all have this idea of gemilus chasadim, that the body of a person should not be disgraced not in his lifetime and not in his death. This, by the way, is a theme that is in many places in Torah. Even a person who's high of Misa, we saw it in Sefer Yoshua, even when they fought battles and wars with non-Jews and killed people, they have to bury them by the end of the day. Don't leave a human body in disgrace. That means it's uncovered, it's not dressed properly, this is somehow a disgrace. So caring for another person's body then becomes an element of emulating Hashem. Not a way that we have to treat ourselves well to take care of ourselves so that we can do a good job. You know, like I feel humiliated if I don't look nice or I feel less than other people so therefore I need to have more clothing. But actually, somehow, I'm emulating Hashem's chesed in making sure that my body looks the way a body should look. And it shouldn't be disgraced. It shouldn't be left bare and exposed. And therefore, that is equally true whether it's my body or someone else's. It doesn't, it's not about me. Somehow, it's beyond Hashem. So it's not about Taiva. It's about Hashem. It's a, somehow we're honoring and emulating God. So now I'm going to turn to a passage from Asilas Yesharim. It's in the section on Precious, which is interesting. Okay. Now this is at the end of Precious. So after we've understood his points, Precious is, well, you probably will explain better because I don't get to Kayla's Shiorim. Precious is being able to hold back, to not indulge. Is that, what, what, what would be the translation for precious? Good summary. Restraint, yeah. maybe? It's more than restraint, though. It's, um, it's sort of using only what you need mm -hmm. and not, not luxuries, not extras. Is that 
probably, I don't know. Okay. I'm not an expert in Masil Sajar yet. <laughs> I would love to know Masil Sajar and implement it. Okay. But at the end of discussing that we need to really cultivate the ability to restrain ourselves and to consider what we require and to only use what we actually require and not indulge our bodies because that only encourages them. Okay, he says, There is a bad kind of precious. It's not always right for a person to be ascetic. That there is a bad kind of precious, and he says ra, it's not even like wrong or erroneous or mistaken. This is bad. There is a bad kind of precious, and that is the type of er, foolish non-Jews. And he's, he's certainly referring to something like, I suppose, a, a Christian asceticism, right? I'm going to wear a t-shirt belted and sit on a mountain and, I don't know, starve and not interact. Okay. Asher lo dai, it's not enough she'enam lokim min ha'olama she'en lahem hechrech bo. They don't satisfy themselves with saying that they won't take from the world anything they don't require, which I suppose would be a more suitable type of precious, saying I only take what I really need. But they go further than that. They deny to themselves even that which they require. His point is not, I don't think, I don't think the point is pointing to people non-Jews versus Jews, because non-Jews probably aren't reading the Silasisharim. The point is that there is a philosophy and it is not Jewish. This is not a Jewish Torah philosophy. Not only do they not take what they don't need, they don't, they prevent themselves, they hold back from themselves, even that which they do require. Mukhrach is necessity. Even that which is necessary, viyasru gufam, and they afflict their bodies, biyasurim, with afflictions, udvarim zarim, and strange things. They do things to themselves that are unspeakable because they're abusing their bodies. Asher lo chafetz bahem Hashem klal, which God does not desire or like. Ella adaraba, rather it is the opposite. Chachabim amru, Chazal have told us, Asur adam. It is forbidden for a person, say Yisagef Atzmo, to Yisagef, to afflict himself, to tear his skin, to, to abuse his body. Uveinyan Hatzedaka Amru. And when it comes to the idea of charity, Chazal have taught us in the Gemara and Yerushalmi, Komi Shetzarech Litol Ve'eno Notel. One who needs to take charity, receive charity, and does not, he's a murderer. Hello. It's like everything to an extreme is not what's intended. Yeah, but you could say it's extreme to say you only take exactly what you need. I mean, you could say that's extreme. It kind of depends where you draw lines, right? It's, it's hard it's, to understand what right. exactly. What so he's going to explain a little so more. Then you have to understand that. what is the fundamental principle, yeah. so that 
you know where the middle, where that happy golden mean lies. And the Chachamim have also said in Tainus, Lenefesh Chaya, man, Hashem blew, in, you could, she could sit here. Does it read? You reach okay to here with whatever she needs? She can sit right where she is. Oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were trying to come around. I was like, yeah, it's okay. Hello. Welcome. So the, Torah, the Chachamim have said on the verse in the Torah where Hashem blew into Adam's nostrils a living soul, nefesh chai, and, and he became a living soul, neshama shenosati v'cha hachayayosa. Man has to be a nefesh chaya, a living soul. The neshama that I put into you, keep it going. You have to try and keep it alive. You're not allowed to sacrifice yourself. You're not allowed to do that to yourself. And Chachamim have said in Tainus, Kol hayoshev b'sainus nikrachote. One who sits and fasts in the Gemara in Tainus is sinning or is misplaced. It's not ideal. And it comes out, hang on, I brought the translation to this. They are applying this to a person who is not in a, in a condition to fast. Meaning a person can, they only support someone fasting whose body can tolerate it. There's a place for it, but if it's going to weaken you improperly, then no. That's not okay. The Hillel Haya Omer. That he was very upset the first time that a rabbi told her she shouldn't fast. Oh. Remember? Yeah. Oh. When you well, were the told you shouldn't fast, you were very upset. <laughs> well, you see, the Mesilas Yesharim brings you a lot of proofs. You can't fast. <laughs> you can't fast. <laughs> and that is, he brings proof after proof that if that is an inappropriate weakening of the body, then everything in the Torah is against it. The Hillel Haya Omer. And Hillel used to say, Gomel nafsho ish chased. One who does, who's gomel, who provides for the ongoing strength of his body, like gemilus chasadim. Ish chased is a person of chesed. You want to know what it means to be a chesedic person? It's that you take care of your body. It's a pasuk in Mishlei. And Hillel explained about that Pasuk and Mishlei, that a person who takes care of his own self is doing a chesed. You know what that Pasuk and Mishlei is telling you? To eat breakfast. We just jumped, right? Yes. <laughs> Wop. Very specific. Very specific, Hillel says. Eating breakfast is doing a chesed for your body, and that makes you a chesedic person. That is not called selfish. Now, I think it probably depends on how you approach your breakfast. <laughs> so, but listen how it explains it. Alachilas haboker. It's talking about breakfast. The hayarochets. It goes on to say that Hillel would rochets panav wash his face v'yadav and his hands. Get up in the morning and wash his hands and face. Lichvod kono in honor of his creator. Somehow there is a way to eat breakfast and wash your hands and wash your face, and that is for the sake of God. Kal v'chomer b'diyok na'oz ha'malachim. 
He learned it as a kal v'chomer from statues of kings. So we'll pause for a second here. <laughs> okay. His reasoning was, and I'm looking to see if I actually brought this. Uh, I didn't bring it. Okay. But I did find out the explanation. His reasoning was that when you go outside and you see, we don't have as much of that, especially, you know, if you live in Boston, you know, and you see statues of George Washington or of, you know, different soldiers and pigeons, things. is that where he's going? <laughs> well, yeah, they get dirty. And the government sends people around to clean the statues. So I imagine that's true also in Boston and Philadelphia. L.A. is just not, I mean, there is one of, like, Lenin on the corner of 4th and La Brea, you know? <laughs> but I'm not sure that counts. <laughs> you know, this is like a different society out here in California. But when you make a statue that represents the king, which was much very common, right, in the Second Temple era, you had the Romans and the, and the pigeons have been sitting on it or a dust storm came through, or who knows what else happened to it, they come around and clean it. When you come around and clean the statue, why are they doing that? The answer is, it's an honor to the king. It's not an honor to the statue. Mm -hmm. The statue is an image representing the king, and therefore, keeping it looking respectable and nice is an honor to the king. If man is created in the image of God, whatever that means, because God doesn't have an image, but our bodies are supposed to bring the light of godliness into the world, then when we take care, this, Hillel learned it out as a kalvachomer from statues of kings. He said, if it's so for a statue of a king, how much more so for a living body that the king created to represent him into the world? that it has to be kept up. There is a way of eating breakfast and washing hands and washing your face that's honoring God. That isn't selfish and it's not about what do I want and what am I in the mood for and ooh, I don't like to be dirty. It's not that, it's that I can't go out looking dirty. I can't go out looking like that. That's not respectful to my body but the, the underlying principle is, is it respectful to God? And sometimes it's easier if we reverse it out, if we say, well, how do we feel when we look at other people? You know, do we see somebody who's running down the street and, you know, the shirt, everything's untucked and everything's flying and torn and faded, and how does that help us feel in terms of God if that person looks religious compared to if they look respectable? They look put together and everything looks clean and washed. Right? We don't say the person's being selfish. We say they're helping make it easier for us to have respect for God. Because we see in them through their actions, through the actions of people, the word mitzvah, well, maybe we won't go all the way into the word mitzvah, but there is a principle. When you do a mitzvah, what are you doing? You're doing God's will. That's, that's why you're doing it. Right? Why do you light the candles? Why do you pick up one you know, kind of uh, cream cheese off the shelf in the supermarket and put it back? It's not kosher. You take a different one. Why? Because that's God's will. Which means that every time you do a mitzvah, you are bringing, you are revealing, shedding light on God's will in the world. You are demonstrating and enacting God's will into the world. So it's easier for us to see it if we think how we look at other people. But we're also other people to other people. <laughs> right? 
And even if no one else would see us, our body is still in the image of God. So this is like, I think this is where you understand, then you can figure out where the balance is of the precious. There's a story, um, I don't know if you want to record this, but my husband's father you know, was in, in, the, in the Nazi um, prison camps, and he happened to be working in a place where you know, it, was, it, was, it was really, um, really hot, but he had access to hot water, and he had access to a place that was really hot. And he was the only prisoner who every day had clean, pressed uniform. Wow. And it saved his life because the guards noticed and he survived. And it looked, wow. Because he, you know, respected himself. And it's they interesting, him especially respect. in that context mm -hmm. where people were really dehumanized. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And the point was they didn't see that these were people. These are vermin. These are, so right. that's amazing. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, so I'm just going to read this last one more line from Masila Sasharim. Harelacha haklal haamiti. So here you have a true principle. I would say that if Masila Sasharim tells me it's true principle, I you could bet your life on it if you had to. Shekol ma she'eno muhrach la'adam. That whatever is not necessary for a person be'inyane ha'olam hazeh when it comes to matters of this world, it is best for him that he refrain from them. If it's not something your body needs, it's better to refrain from it. You can see that it's really the same principle because then what you're doing is you're feeding the body and its desires, which is also not an honor to God. <laughs> right? The, the, the body is the vehicle through which, through our souls, Hashem shines his light into the world. So if you're feeding the taiva of the body, that's also not respect, especially to God. It's best that he should refrain from them. But whatever is necessary for him, for whatever reason it is that he happens to need it. Sometimes we need things because we're weak, it could be we're psychologically a little bit weak. It could be we're feeling emotionally a little bit weak. Some <laughs> Whatever reason it is that the person actually does have a need for it, if in fact it is necessary for him, since it is necessary for him, if he refrains from it, that is misplaced. That's not correct. Okay. Chesed. And this is something we have certainly heard at least once before. We have here a definition of chesed, which is defending or looking out for the covet of the body as a way of honoring Hashem. And in acknowledgement and recognition of the fact that we are created as Tselem Elohim. The word chesed is based on the word chas. And Rav Orlowick has said, you've heard me say before, chas is the feeling, it's, it's described, let's say, as compassion is a common translation for chus, like chus verachem aleinu, have compassion and mercy on us. Chas is seeing yourself in the other person. 
When you look at someone and instead of seeing them as other and, oh, that's not me, or that could never happen to me because I'm careful, or whatever it is, when you instead, you do the opposite and you see that person, you say, that could just as easily be me. Hashem has done a chesed for me by not putting me in that position, but I can see in that person a tzelem elokim as in myself, then the behavior resulting from that is chesed. Now, that's, we've said this before, but it has a deeper meaning when tied to the recognition that chesed is an honoring of the Hashem by means of the tzelem elokim. Chesed is honoring Hashem by honoring the Tzalem Elohim. You see how that has, it adds a layer of meaning to this concept that when I look at another person and I see myself in them, why does it add another layer? It adds a layer of strength to it and chiyuv to it. Because if you don't happen to recognize in yourself a Tzalem Elohim, then when you look at someone and you see yourself in them, you might feel bad for them, but you might say, oh, well, I wouldn't do it for myself either. Right? So all of a sudden you've, you've said, well, I don't have to do chesed for the other person because I wouldn't do it for myself. I don't care. I don't care if I smell funny. I don't care if I look like that. So why should I help them? They're going around collecting because they need to have Shabbos shoes and weekday shoes for their children? Yeah. Right? And so, but if it comes from Selim Elohim as a way of honoring Hashem, then... First of all, you need that inside of yourself for other reasons. But it also obligates you when you see the other person to say, this person, had, their body is a vehicle with the potential, hopefully actualized, with the potential. <coughs> Thank you. <coughs> to act in ways that bring the light of God's will into the world. And Hashem demonstrates that to us. This is how we emulate him. When the Torah says emulate God, it's not a generic emulation. That would be outrageous anyway. How could we emulate God? The Torah is saying emulate him by doing chesed. It doesn't mean create your own universe. Right. Although the Kabbalists would say it does, but in a different way, through, through free will. Through the choices we make, and since each person is their own world, I just read something like this. this yeah, right. But yes, not that we go around thinking we're God. <laughs> we're divine, right? But when we emulate him, the way we emulate God is by doing kindness. That intellectually becomes more understandable because kindness is, in fact, a function of recognizing the tzelem elokim and honoring Hashem through it. So the, it is the emulation of God, exactly. It's exactly the emulation of God. Because what we're doing is giving honor to the fact that the human being is a, a, a shadow, an emulation of Hashem, a reflection. That is, so that, that is within the chesed, is the emulation itself. And just as an aside, as with other, as with other mitzvos, when what we are doing, when we do chesed for other people, if the chesed that we do is because we're doing it for Hashem, we become independent of the reactions of other people. So instead of, 
I make dinner night after night after night and you don't even appreciate me and I hate it and I, right? Instead of that, it's I make dinner, that's between me and God. If you don't appreciate it, well, I might feel bad. It would be nice to be appreciated, but that's not the reason I do it. It's not the reason I'm making the dinner. It's not the reason I'm making the kindness is not so that you should appreciate me. I'm doing kindness so Hashem will be happy with me. That's between me and God, not between me and the other person. And when you add the element of benadam lamakom, of doing things for Hashem's sake, into your benadam lachavero, into what you do for others, at first it sounds scary. It sounds like, wait, won't that detach me from other people? But it doesn't have that effect. It attaches you to other people because you still don't take things as personally. And that allows you to overlook a lot of things, which allows you to actually get closer and do more for other people. And I just received, I didn't, did I print? I might have even printed it out, but I wonder if I have it right here. That would be so cool. I think I maybe don't. I just received yesterday a really beautiful piece from, no, from Rav Avigdor Miller. And he's, he was talking about marriage. And he was saying, I'm going to see if I can find it really fast. Nowhere. Here it is. I sent it to a few people. <laughs> he was saying that even in marriage, there's a role like this. Which is, when you're doing what you should be doing in the marriage relationship, it applies to other relationships as well, but particularly to that one because it's committed and it's for a really long time and there's lots of opportunities to go through ups and downs and nonetheless stick with it, at, whereas with a friend, if you went through some of the downs you might go through in a marriage, you might just have left already and never mind, you know, like, I don't need this. But with a marriage, you might say, well, you know, times will get better, let's stick with it and f put it together again. Okay, he says... You're not serving him with the lowercase h, right? You're not serving the, the husband. You're serving Hashem. When you do for the other person, the person, the one you're really doing it for is God. Not for, not for the spouse. And when you have that attitude, then you've suddenly introduced a third party into the marriage. And in fact, Chazal say that the chasen and kala under the chuppah, Hashem is there with them. There is this other party to the marriage, and it's Hashem. And the more you're directing and thinking that the things you're doing are for the sake of Hashem, then your expectations of the other person are reduced. You're not doing it so that they will do for you. You're not giving so that they will appreciate and thank you in some specific way, which by itself can lead to disappointment. Because even the people who are the most in love can have different ways of expressing themselves. And you might make dinner for someone and they might really appreciate it and they reciprocate by taking out the garbage and you wanted them to reciprocate by saying, I love you and buying you flowers. And they did was they took out the garbage and drove the carpool. And so now you're all resentful that they didn't do for you because you were doing with an expectation from them. But if what you're doing is for Hashem and your expectations are only between you and God, then it frees you up. And it's much healthier for a relationship when people give to each other without having demands and expectations coming back. Okay, there was, there was other good points in this particular piece, but it's really similar to this idea um, with the chesed, meaning where, how do you direct the chesed? And now I want to do one more point on the clothing 
which <laughs> the clothing is not a side point because as we said, this is about a garment. And the way Rav Hirsch describes tzitzis is, he says that tzitzis garment, that's universal. The tzitzis garment is a universal human mitzvah, so to speak. The tzitzis is the Jewish extension of the mitzvah, literally and figuratively, as always with Rav Hirsch. Right? The literal, the physical, is the expression of the spiritual reality. Okay. As man received clothing from Hashem, from the hand of God, it gets a holy spiritual meaning. And in reference to both meanings, it is in service of the education of mankind for winning it back to its original condition. As a covering for animal nakedness, it reminds one of man's calling being something higher than that of an animal. Now, I just, I just want to point out something. I mean, it's a nice sentence, if Hershian, German, English thing. But, but recognize that this, again, we've somehow circled back and discovered we're back on that same theme of this paragraph. We stumbled, we fell, and we have to pick ourselves up again and keep going and commit ourselves to improving and figuring out how to not fall, at least in that way, again. Do you hear how he came back around to that? He said, through the sin, this is the Torah begins with chesed. What is the chesed? What is the chesed that the Torah began with? It's that we stumbled and fell into following an animal and an animal instinct. And now we got to pick ourselves up and repair it. It is in the service of the education of mankind and winning it back. We got to fix it. We have to not only pick up the clothing, the purpose of the clothing to cover our physical bodies is in order to help us repair, not only repair, first of all, to repair the fact that we followed the physical animal instinct, but second of all, to help us keep from doing again, which is the ultimate tshuva, right? The ultimate tshuva is that you, you, you are sorry for what you did and also not doing it again. So that's, this, is, this was the theme all along of this whole paragraph on every level. And now we're down to the clothing. The mitzvah of tzitzis, the mitzvah which is to remind us not to follow the serpent whisper of the argument of our sensuous speculation, the mitzvah of tzitzis tells us, has not God given you in yourself, in your own nature, a light and a guide, your eye and your heart? We'll get to this a bit more as we go along. But you see here, the Torah told us here, you wear tzitzis and you won't follow your heart and your eyes, but it also told us before and after, you'll see it and you'll do the mitzvos. Meaning, you gotta follow your eyes to do the mitzvos and not follow your... Hashem gave you those tools for a positive purpose. You're having a heart and, ha and emotions and having eyes. It's not that you shouldn't follow them at all. It's that you have to intelligently follow them and choose where you'll follow them. They are tools. They are in your own nature. Just like the tzitzis are attached to your garments, your eyes and your heart are attached to your intellect, which probably often would rather not be carrying this around with it, in order to help move from the physical up to the spiritual. 
If your clothing tells you, he says, compare this, that the woman saw the tree, that it was good to eat, and it was a taiva for the eyes, versus our statement here in Shema, It's directly, it's directly speaking against what happened back in Eden, but it's also saying, here's Rafersh again, if your clothing tells you that you are a man, and that the man with a capital, yeah. and that the animal within you is not to be the ruler, if it tells you that the world about you, in spite of all its inventions, right, he lived in the 1800s, technology, industrial revolution, the world about you, in spite of all inventions, has not become a paradise again, then let seats, let the blossom on your garment, that which sprouts forth, represent the holy Jewish life that brings out the godly human element within you and bring the world again nearer to paradise. This would be a hard paragraph without the previous parts, right? Mm -hmm. right we needed the introduction to get to the paragraph. Mm -hmm. But now, this is the, this is where it not only does Rav Hirsch pull it all together, but take it to a place that sums back up why it's all pulled together. Why is it all together, the clothing, the trying to re-educate and come back to the level where we need to be the, the, in the same way, you could say, well, why, may, why give us a Yetzirah at all? We've asked this question in many levels and many times, especially in the last year. Why have a Yetzirah at all? Hashem gave it to us as a tool within our nature to bring us to what we need to do. He gave you an eyes and a heart. Don't stray after them, but you do got to use them. And it's kind of the same message. Well, why have sin at all? Why is it that we can mess up? But when we come back around and fix it and say, I'm not doing that again, we can get to v'yisem kidoshim le'lokechem. You can get to something that's holier and higher than where you were even before. So listen. Our sages remind us on this verse how here the first trace of gemilus chesed occurs, how God himself practiced gemilus chesed, the active form of deeds of love amongst mankind. The Torah begins and ends with examples of gemilus chesed shown to us by God. It shows us at the beginning how God clothed the first naked human beings and at the end how he buried the noblest human being. And if up until now we have considered, not without justification, that the altered condition of nature to mankind is a lowered condition. In other words, we think, oh, everything is so terrible since the sin in Eden. This is all bad. This is it's not bad. It's a lowered condition in a way, but there is another aspect to it. What's the other aspect? On the other hand, just this lowering has given man the opportunity of showing himself in his nearest likeness to God. Everything which, when done selfishly for ourselves, is lowering, becomes divinely great when done for others. If we weren't lowered, if we didn't have need, if we didn't have poverty, if we didn't have hunger, if we didn't have pain and sickness and cold, and all of these things that came out as a result of what happened in Gan Eden, we also wouldn't have the ability to emulate God in his chesed by doing for others, because they would have no needs. 
slaving away by the sweat of his brow, straining one's strength to provide bread and happiness for others, is according to the Jewish idea the greatest likeness to God that man exercises. Even as God has showed you that he clothed the naked, healed the sick, comforted the troubled, buried the dead, so shall you likewise do. That is the conception and principle of Jewish love of fellow man, of Jewish kamilos chasadim. Thus, the hardship of life, the need for assistance, has become the basis on which everybody who so wills can elevate himself to godlike heights. And so, it is a piece of profound wisdom on the part of our sages when they associate the teaching the lofty conception of Gemilus Chasadim, just here with the departure from paradise. For without the need for assistance, which thereby began for mankind, we would hardly know where there would be any opportunity for the practice of Gemilus Chasadim. Wow. Yeah, that, that turns that inside out. That <laughs> turns that inside out. And it also turns everything we see about our own suffering inside out. Okay. And to tie together to some of the things we talked about much earlier on, chait creates, it's, it's a missingness, right? It's a misplacement of energy, of action. The result of chait is weakness, is pain, is need. But the purpose of weakness, pain, and need is that it draws us closer to Hashem from our pain. We reach out to him. We call to him, we daven, and we draw closer to him. So it is a self-repairing system that is from the aspect of mushpa, of receiving from Hashem. From our suffering and pain and need, we draw closer to Hashem in needing to receive. But it also gives us the opportunity to recognize that other people have needs and other people suffer and other people are in pain. And then we draw close to God by giving, not receiving, by giving. That's the emulation. And so the chait was not a, a good thing, but as Rav Hirsch puts it elsewhere, God will not allow his will to be thwarted, meaning it will be good. This is just not the most comfortable road to get there, as we've said. But this is the road we're on. And we put ourselves here, really. But it's still good, because we still draw close to Hashem through our own need as receivers and through our recognition that other people have need and we become givers. Okay. We're going to... We'll stop here. And we'll continue trying to pull out from these unusual combinations, recombinations, and structurings of the words. Mm -hmm. um, understanding of how all of this applies to us. In Mirz Hashem, I, I'm not promising, but I'm hoping to tie in on Shavuos all the bits and pieces that have come out of this, you know, where you still get right down to, okay, but women don't wear tzitzis. Okay, so I didn't forget about it. I just ended up separating it out, and I hope it will be a Shavuos discussion. A different kind of Kabbalah Satora, right?